You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We are in a series right now um, called God the Father. As the eldership team got together, we really prayed about what the next series would be uh, as a church. And we really felt to give attention to each member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And so as uh, we are walking through this month, we are focusing on God the Father. And so this is part three of God the Father. And um, how many of you have been blessed by this series so far? I thought Brett did an amazing job um, last week and uh, just encouraging us about our our father's um, role as, as designer as what he what he originally intended his his original heart for for creation and mankind and our connection with him and i think this plays a, a role in 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 all of this series and so i might touch on a bit of that as well today um so let me just pray before i get started lord thank you for this opportunity to minister your word i pray as i speak that I will speak by the power of your spirit and any word that is not of you, I pray it just falls to the ground. I pray that your words will fall on rich soil, the soils of our hearts and our minds that will be planted and take root and won't only just take root, but will bear fruit, will bear fruit in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. How many of you believe that words are powerful? Words are powerful, right? Um, how we how we use them, they can they can shape ideas, they can shape opinions, they can shape cultures, and they can even shape lives if you think about it. If you think about the authority and the power that people have with words, if you, if you think of most powerful leadership, most powerful leadership is expressed through communication, right? Um, Powerful people communicate and then things happen. It can happen for a country. It can happen um, for a business. It can happen in even the life of the church. And how many of you know that even in the kingdom of God, that words can be used positively, negatively, and they can shape things. It can shape culture. It can shape lives. How many of you have ever received a negative word and it just puts you on a trajectory that probably was unhealthy? Uh, how many of you have received a positive word and that positive word just uplifted you and encouraged you and was wind in your sails? Um, words are powerful. And I think sometimes when words lose their meaning, the, the, the truth behind those words um, really begins to, to be diminished. Have you guys ever experienced anything like that? I mean, just think about our culture and how we use words. Words don't mean what they mean anymore. Right. Sometimes words mean the opposite and like like the word bad. Right. Uh, Michael Jackson didn't make that word um, popular with his song. I'm bad. It it was way before him. But I mean, when you say, oh, that's bad. We don't use I don't know if this is used anymore because it was it became good. Like was if someone came in with like I remember being a kid, guys, someone rolled in with a new pair of kicks. We're like, oh, those are bad. Right. But like, yeah, rad, but rad was more for like the, for the skaters. And I, you know, I, I just wasn't the skater type. So, um, 
even think of something like a term that, that is, listen, friends, is controversial today. God bless America. Just think of how controversial that thing is today. That thing has become a, a caricature of, of a conservative politician. I mean, just think about that. When, when, when you think of, 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 I mean, I remember singing God Bless America and like coming to tears and my heart being gripped because of the power behind the prayer, right? God bless, it's, it's a cry to the Lord, right? God bless America. We're not commanding God to do anything. I mean, this is in its truest sense. I do believe people can use that as a cliche. I do believe people can use that as a political statement. It was never meant to be. Just something as simple as God bless America. Um, this this week, this might be a little controversial for you, but I, I just want to just bring to light things <clears throat> that change in, in our in our in our world. You may have read or saw um, something in the news today about a young man choosing to identify as a woman. Just one a woman's NCAA. Division one swimming title. Now listen, friends, I'm not asking you to be angry. I'm not asking you to get political about this. I'm asking you to just consider how things can be changed on how we interpret words and truth, right? I'm bringing this up because what happens, this is what happens when a culture starts reshaping truth and begins to use, use things inappropriately, and that can mean words, and that can absolutely mean gender, right? Where we just get, begin to redefine things. And when, when we think about the design of God, and we think about God's original intent, we have to choose what kind of people we're going to be. Or are we going to be a cultural people? Or are we going to be a biblical people? Are you with me? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says this, what sorrow, can you say sorrow? What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and that good is evil, and that dark is light and light is dark, and that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. I mean, if this isn't where we are as a society, I don't know when we ever have been. I think we are in sad days, friends, I really do. I believe that the culture around us is in a, in a sad place. Days in which people can't tell right from wrong, dark from light, even good from evil, but worse, friends, life from death. Life from death. This is why I think we need to remain a biblical people. Because <clears throat> when we remain a biblical people, that means we, as a people, we have a plumb line. We have a plumb line in which we live our lives by. And we also have a mirror and I want you to hear this clearly. We have a, a mirror that we use to shape who we are. Notice that I didn't say that we have a Bible to use as lenses in which we view the world. Please hear me. We have the word of God that is our plumb line that shapes who we are. It's a mirror. And I think far too many Christians use the Bible as lenses that we view the world and we expect the world to change and we haven't. Are you following me? Diego shared a, a verse today during our, our life team on Thursday. I meet with uh, young people from 
I don't know, 11 to, 11 to the afternoon, and, and we have a time of just devotions and, and them doing some creative stuff and um, probably some manual labor too. Um, but Diego shared this week with us, and he, he shared this verse with us. One, Psalm 119, verse 11. Listen, friends, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Just think about this as regards to a mirror versus a window that we view the world. Sometimes we can use the Bible and we're like, look at all that they're doing, right? And just, this is a mirror or, or look at everything they're doing. They're just doing everything against the word of God. They're doing everything that they're not supposed to be doing. And the psalmist writes for us in Psalm 119, this thing's a mirror. And I hide it in my heart so that I won't sin against the Lord. When our culture begins to devalue scripture, and when we even think about this nation, as this nation has begun to devalue scripture, we begin to devalue the truths of God and even God himself. We devalue the truths of God and even God himself. The word God, little g, uh, it's now used as the most common text acronym ever. OMG. How many of you have used it? Don't get scared. I've used it. You're okay. All right? <clears throat> OMG. How many of you have used it? How many of you have said OMG? It's probably better to use OMG. Uh, when I was growing up, if you said, oh my God, out of context, there were ramifications. There were, there were things happening on the back end of that. Like, I mean, I won't tell you the things that happened to me, but you didn't use, oh my God, inappropriately. There, there is, there is a reason to say, oh my God. I mean, but you didn't use it inappropriately. Now it's used as, as, as an acronym on text. I mean, as kids, we memorize Exodus chapter um, 20, verse seven, right? And what does that say? Thou shall not take the Lord's name in vain. How many of you ever remembered that? This is one of the 10 commandments. If you don't know it, right. Um, and, and, and saying, listen, friends, I'm going to get really crazy. GD, I mean, that was a death sentence. If you said GD, I mean, you it was run, duck, and cover because lightning bolts are coming from heaven. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm, I'm trying to tell you this, is, this was the, the cultural climate when, when God's name, even, even the English interpretation that we have of just God was held in such a regard that it wasn't just simple to just say, oh my God. And it wasn't just simple to say something like GD. And now we hear it and we see it, might even say it, and it just doesn't phase us. We allow the culture to desensitize us, and that leads to devaluing. Once you get desensitized, then you start to devalue something. And once you devalue something, that eventually leads to being dismantled. It could be dismantled. We have this word, God. It's the only, it's the only cultural word that we can use in, in, in the English language of God. I mean, obviously, we know the other names, and we've been focusing on that as a church to understand God and his fullness and his truest form. But I'm telling you, this can happen to us being desensitized, and then we start devaluing, and then it becomes dismantled. I know it happened for me. 
walking with me. I, I was I accepted Christ at nine years old. God became holy to me. He became the father. I never knew. It was this beautiful experience between this orphan spirit kid and, 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 this, and this holy God who revealed himself as father. And then I become a teen and I begin to be desensitized to the things of God because I'm exposed to the culture around me. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to I want to start acting like them. I want to start doing the things they do. And then eventually I joined the Marine Corps. And then, and I'm telling you that that culture is a whole different culture. And, and as much as I, I, I love the fact that I was a Marine, and I'm telling you, friends, there's parts about being a Marine that is cult-like. Because now you have a new operating system. And having a new operating system, I begin to not only devalue, but this thing of who God was in my life and the words that I would use about his name were dismantled. I wonder if people truly know God, would they misuse his name? And I know this sounds like, oh, Jody, you're, you're talking so like old school. This is like 1987 church. I wonder if people truly know God, would they misuse his words? And I wonder if people truly knew God, if this world really knew God, would they misuse his creation? Today, I'm going to take us back to Sunday school, if you haven't um, guessed that yet. So if you've never been to Sunday school, um, Sunday school was a place where kids got together and we learned about Jesus. We memorized verses and we sang songs that told us about his character. Jordan brought one up this morning. We, we, we have a prayer time. We meet at 915. Yes, that is a plug. I hope you can come. We pray together as a church. How many of you think it's biblical for the church to pray together? If you believe it's biblical to pray as a church together, then I'll see you next Sunday at 915. Um, so we're here and we pray together as a church. And at the end of that, that prayer time, um, Jordan just felt to lead us in, in a song. And it goes like this. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in, right? So I mean, we, we learned these songs because these songs were implanting truth into who we were. Right? And then one of the most powerful songs. Jesus loves me. This I know. How prophetic is that? Jesus loves me, this I know. It, 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 it shapes identity. It begins to brand you with an understanding that you are loved by Jesus, the son of the living God. And it's not a question. It's not Jesus loves me, this I guess. It's this I know. And how do I know that? Because the Bible told me so. The word of God told me that Jesus loves me. And because his word told me that, I can believe it. Little ones to him belong. And if you don't know that you're a little one, you are a little one. Because when Jesus preached, he always said little ones. Because he was speaking from a heavenly place. The ancient of days. The one who has always been, right? Little ones to him belong. You belong to him. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Me. It's a powerful word. They seem simple. And it's like, oh, yeah, that was such a cute song. It's awesome. It's power. It's truth. It, it, it's foundational 
for who we are as a people. God loves me needs to be the foundation in which every child of God shapes their walk with him. It should shape their lives. It should shape everything about them. It should shape your marriage. It should shape your parenting. It should shape your future. It should shape your finances. The fact that God loves you should be transforming in every way. We learn a verse, John 3, 16, that you can see on t-shirts and and you can see on billboards and you can see on bumper stickers and it's just become, you know, kind of like, oh yeah, John three sixteen forgot to love the world. He gave his only God's son. Hey, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's become this thing we rattle off. And I'm telling you friends, this thing is life for God. So loved the world. God loved the world so much. Our heavenly father loved this world, this, this rotten, dark, full of death, sinful world so much that he gave. I'm going to pause there. He gave. Why is it that when the world looks at God the father, our father, the first thing they think about is what he's going to take. Why is it, maybe you experienced this when you came to Jesus. I experienced this when I came back to Jesus. I was counting all the things that I had to give up. He loves me so much, but I have to give up all of this to be back in relationship with him. Not realizing that it was because he gave, he gave. And he is such a generous God that he gave his only son. We know these truths. You can quote the verses, but are they foundational to who we are and our relationship with him that God loves? And he loved this world so much that he gave his only son. And everyone, can you say everyone? <clears throat> everyone. Which means this, even the people not in this room. Everyone. Every people group that, that you have an issue with, them too. Every lifestyle that you have an issue with, them too. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, everyone. Everyone who believes on the name of Jesus, God gave his son for them. And, 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 and we, can, we can kind of put ourselves like, you know, high on the hog as kings of the castle, this hierarchy of, 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 of people groups. But I'm telling you, friends, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But this very truth that we had to solidify in our lives to bring us back into relationship with others is the same truth that others need. But I'm telling you, is it true for us in a way that it's reflected to the world around us? that God loves and that God loves you. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish. Can you say will not perish, but have everlasting life? That's the good news. That's the good news. Can you look at someone next to you and say, that's good news? Listen to the good news. It's not turn or burn. Right? The, 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 the emphasis on this scripture has nothing to do with the death, 
which is the ramifications of sin. It has everything to do with the offering of love through Jesus, the son that produces everlasting life. This is foundational because this is who our father is. This is how God the Father brings life to us. This, this is how God the Father chooses to present himself to us. He gave. 1 John 4, 8 is probably one of the most powerful verses you'll ever read. Whoever does not love does not know God. Listen, friends, because God is love. God is love. And I know that word love, just like the word God, means so many different things to different people. But listen, friends, we as a people of God, we who, who know God as Father, this has to be something that, that we not only receive, but something that we give out. God is love. And it's not, I mean, that word love, we just throw it around like I love in and out. Do you see how we can diminish words? Or, and so we start desensitizing that word love. Like, oh, I love those shoes. Oh, I love that outfit. Right? This, this word love. I mean, there's so much more to the power of love, knowing the truth of what the scriptures tell us, that God is love. And if we don't have God, then we don't know how to love. And I know this can mess with all kinds of, uh, uh, of things in us because like, so you're saying before I knew God, I didn't love my kids. No, listen, friends. We will never understand the depths of love until we know God because God is love. And because God's DNA was branded on you when you were created, because all life comes from God, that, that DNA, yes, you have attributes that give you the ability to love, but you'll never understand the depths of it until you know who your heavenly father is, who actually embodies love. This is God, our father. God is love. The world has a picture of an angry God. How many of you have ever carried that picture of our heavenly father? An angry God. Because there's been an angry church on the planet. We're the body of Christ. And we, we subscribe to a heavenly father who embodies love. And the world has seen an angry God because they've seen angry kids. The world sees this picture of an angry God who, whose sole purpose is to discipline and punish creation. Walking around, waiting to get struck by lightning. I mean, have you ever invited a friend to church and they're like, no, I can't go to that place. I'll walk into that place with I can't step into a church. I mean, they, they have this understanding of an, or, or this perception of an angry God. If God is love, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a huge question, huh? If God is love, then how is there war, death, disease, rape? murder, and abuse. Friends, humanity broke covenant with God in the garden. And I know we weren't there. <laughs> and I know 
excuse this term, but it's the one I feel, and I know it sucks that we have to live out the ramifications of decisions that were made at the very beginning. But I promise you, because we were human, because of our, our, our finite mind and our finite understanding of the purity of who our Heavenly Father is, we would have made the same decision in that garden. Because we're still making it today. In that garden, God gave dominion of this earth to mankind. He gave the authority and the operating system of this earth to mankind. Adam was given dominion over creation. Humanity was given dominion over this earth and we have been trying to control it ever since. And when bad things happen to good people and when horrible, atrocious things happen to innocent people, and when we look at the world system, we don't want to blame ourselves. We want to blame a sovereign God. But there's something about God. God is faithful to his word and he doesn't go back on his word. And this thing of choice and dominion that God has given humanity, he has never taken it back. They'll take it back soon. And that's when Jesus Christ comes. The second coming. If you don't know about it, let me remind you. He is coming again. It's called the second coming. You go back in Revelation, you're going to see this beautiful imagery. This powerful imagery. And Jesus is going to come and he is going to come with the armies of heaven riding on a white stallion. And you'll read in scripture, he's going to have this this this. I call it a tattoo, but for those of you who are against tattoos, I won't say that. <clears throat> King of kings and Lord of lords written across his thigh, and he is going to come establish heavenly dominion once and for all on this earth. But until then, we've been in control. And sickness and disease and sin and all the ramifications of sin are on our conscience as humanity. And it'd be easy to blame an angry God, <laughs> but not a loving father. Not the father that I serve. Not the God who has revealed himself throughout the ages as a God of love as a God of grace, as a God of second chances. And sometimes we, we can even buy into this Old Testament God versus a New Testament God, believing they're two different gods. And they're not. The same God, the same God of grace, the same God of forgiveness, the same God of second chances. And you're like, yeah, but what about when the earth like swallowed up all the people that were talking trash about Moses? Let me ask about discipline. Parents, how many of you discipline your kids? Why do you discipline your kids? Because you love them. There's a direction for their, for their life that you're wanting them to, a trajectory in their life that you're wanting them to go to. I'm not describing discipline, but I don't know how you discipline. I know how I discipline. But it's done because you, you love them and, and there's a direction for their lives that you, you, you want them where you want them to go. It's the same with our loving father. Bible tells us that God disciplines those he loves. 
And yet we, we, we view that as, as angry. We view that as a God who's wanting to punish. This is not the God we serve. This is the father we serve. And just think about this, parents, when, when, when your kids leave the house and they go to make their own life, are you responsible for every decision that they make after that? Humanity has left God's house. And we're responsible for the decisions that we make. Which means we're also going to have to put up with the ramifications for the decisions we make. But for those who choose to bring themselves under the covering of a loving father, once again, I'm telling you, friends, the things change. That things change. I mean, I can't tell you that you're going to go to 7-Eleven and rob it and then come out and you're good because you're, you're, you love Jesus now. Sheriff Department probably is, is going to hit. It's happened. Yeah. It's happened. We've, we had a guy one time uh, try to hide in, in the seats after he robbed 7-Eleven. And so we first, uh, it was a 7-Eleven manager, first bust open the doors and he's like looking for this guy. No, never mind. That was... Yeah, that's one of the stories we'll share at our anniversary. <laughs> you remember that one time? Can every decision your adult children make be blamed on a parent? You've given them authority. You've given them dominion. And now they're living out the ramifications for the decisions they make. We discipline because it's necessary and it is an attribute of love. The Lord disciplines those he loves. But I love even in the old covenant when we read this, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 9 through 10. Just thinking about the story of Noah and how, how the Lord wanted to start over. He wanted to start over because humanity had got to such a place in such a quick time in, in our existence that he wanted to start over. And we know the story, he flooded the earth, he kept one righteous family. But listen, friends, even that righteous family was carrying that same dominion and authority. And we see what eventually happened again. The Lord wanted to start over with Moses. And it was a plea of Moses' heart, like, Lord, please do not destroy these people. This is what the Lord says in Isaiah 54. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear, listen, friends, now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. Even then what, friends? My faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. This is the heart of our Father, even in the old covenant. Mercy, blessing, because this is what a good father does. Jesus came to reveal, reveal, reveal to humanity the true nature of our Father. Jesus came to give us complete access 
to a loving father to show us what a relationship between a creation and a heavenly father was to really look like. And he had to come in in the form of a man. He had to come and show us what it was going to really look like to be in the flesh and, and and to have a connection with a holy God who was in the heavenlies and see what the dynamics look like and learn to build on the foundation of this love that Jesus offered us. Jesus came to give us access to God when access had been broken by sin. Jesus came to give us access to God when access to God had been had been snatched by the religious world and said, you can't have access to a holy God unless you go through us. Jesus came to dismantle all of that and put everything right back on track so that we would not only know of a heavenly father, but we would experience the love of this father. How many of you believe that? Have you experienced the love of this father? You'll be able to tell if you've experienced the love of a father by your approach. One of the saddest things that, that I have seen and even experienced is to watch children who have been abused. If you've ever been around children who have been abused and especially like kind of physically abused, they, they manifest different things. And, and one of the saddest things that I have ever seen is when a child covers up if you move very rapidly around them. If you've ever seen that, it's, 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 a, it's a, probably a sure sign of abuse. I mean, if you, you just move rapidly and you see a child just kind of, kind of cover up. It's heartbreaking. Our son Judah, when, when, before we adopted him, he, he would cover his face. And he would say, I'm scared. You just move too quickly. You talk too loudly. Fear would grip him. That isn't the experience of a loving father. It's not the experience. And I think how you approach God is a sure sign of your connection with him. Did you approach our heavenly father like with fear and trembling? I mean, think about it. I mean, do you, do you walk into church and thinking like, oh gosh, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what he's going to say. But let me even even take it a little bit further because our ecclesiology uh, or how we operate in our togetherness can also be a picture of who our father is. And if we're putting that shame on people, I'm telling you, friends, shame on us. You're going to come to church like that? After this just happened, you're just going to show up like, oh, I love you, God. This is what we can do to show the world what our access to the Father looks like. And so do we, do we operate in that sense or do we operate with this true understanding of what Jesus came to reveal? Listen, friends, that God is love. And that God is not angry. He's not angry. I mean, how many of you, when you were younger, ever were waiting to get punished? I mean, there could be the simple form of it. Like, man, you just wait and you know you're going to get grounded. Some horrible cases. Some of us knew we were going to get beat. 
here waiting. I mean, how anxious is that? How much fear is gripping you? How, I mean, just think about, about the mind. Think about, I mean, the turmoil that you're going through. Just waiting. You wait till your dad gets home. You wait until your mom gets home. You wait until that disciplinarian figure comes to deliver the punishment. And I'm telling you, some of us are operating on that operating system when it comes to our Heavenly Father. We're just waiting because he's angry. Who wants to connect with the Heavenly Father like that? And is that the picture that we're operating with? Jesus came to give us access. Jesus came to show us the true approach to a heavenly father. That even in my worst condition, even in my sinful condition, Even in my darkest condition, I get to go to my heavenly father and I get to give it all to him in his presence and not be fearful of the ramifications of that. Honestly, friends, think about this. The Bible says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us on the cross. Not when you were good. God didn't give his only son when you were good and when you were at your best. We were at our worst. And he still invited us in. I want us to consider the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Communication is so key in relationships. How many of you believe that? Some of you. For those of you who don't believe that communication is key in relationships, let me just say this. Communication is key for relationships. Communication for us as children of God is called prayer. We communicate with God. We pray with him. We get to talk to him. And Jesus, as he was teaching his disciples how to pray to their heavenly father, he said, hey, don't do it like the other people do. Don't just come with all these words and all these prescripted things that you say. And we've even taken this model of prayer and we've made it prescripted. It's the heart of this that Jesus is asking us to pray. Not the word for word every day and that's all you pray. It's when you pray, the Bible says, Jesus said, pray like this. He didn't say pray this exact prayer every day and you're going to be good, you know. Say say the Lord's Prayer every day and that'll keep the devil away. That's what, you know, if you grew up in old church, that's kind of. Pray in this way. Listen to this, friends. The first two words are powerful. Our Father. Our Father. Jesus, the Son of the living God, was sharing access to his Father with us, with you, with me, our Father. Which also means that he's not just my father. And I don't know, is that a Hispanic thing? Because when you hear Hispanics talk, even to their siblings, they say, my dad said, it's all always personal, right? Well, my mom, like it's, it's always, we make it ours, right? Our father, hold up, not just yours. Which means the same God that you rely on for all the love and all the grace and all the blessings is also my father too. Our father. 
That's powerful. We have access to a heavenly father who is in heaven. This is understanding where he is. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I mean, it could seem like, like, you know, oh, you're back on the, you know, don't say the Lord's name in vain. This is how Jesus asked us to pray. Recognizing his position, right? Recognizing his name, the attributes of who he is, what he carries, his identity. Everything that everything that we have been talking about, Jehovah Jireh, I mean, Jehovah Sidkenu. I mean, we, we we're going through all these things. Hallowed be your name. This, your name and all the attributes of who you are. This is who I'm praying to. Your kingdom come. Recognizing that we are present in a different kingdom. And we need the kingdom of God to rain down on this earth like never before, but more importantly, on my life. I mean, we pray, Lord, I just pray your kingdom come right now over that household because they need you, Jesus. No, over my life, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are asking for earth to invade heaven. We are asking for a heavenly father's atmosphere to invade mine. Are you with me? We are giving God permission to get up all in our business. This is what relational authority is. Lord, I'm giving you access to get up all in my Kool-Aid, stir it up, mix it up, whatever you need to do, God. Are you with me? Listen to this, friends. Give us this day our daily bread. We get to go to our Heavenly Father for our needs. Because, because He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. And Jesus is telling us, you get to ask God. If you don't have it, you get to ask God. You get to ask God for you, whatever you whatever it is. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread, what I need to be sustained for today, I get to ask God. For finances, yes. For food on the table, yes. But friends, what about for peace? Peace of mind. What about for healing? I mean, what, what about the things you need in the dynamics of your family? I mean, we, we pray some of the, so, I mean, for things that are real, but I'm telling you, the, the, the deeper things that we want God to actually begin to be our source Give us to stay our daily bread. And then we get into verse 12. We get into confession. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus is saying, this is how we pray to our Father. We can't, we can't keep living in the shadows. We can't keep living like he doesn't know what's going on in our life. We can't keep living like, like, like we're dark people. We, we got to start living like we are his children and we can't stop living like we're, we're living under this angry God. He is our, our loving father. And because he loves us, I get to come to him and I get to tell him the things that I have done. I've tried to teach my kids this. My kids don't get beat, I promise you. But if you tell me before I find out, 
it's going to go better for you. And I'm telling you, I, I, I've, I've, even in a way that I've made their punishments more lenient when they're honest and open because I want them to understand the trust level that they can have with me that I still love you even when you make mistakes, even when you've done it wrong. I still love you. You still have access to me. But when you hide, and when you don't tell me, and when the teacher has to tell me, or when your little sister has to tell me, it's always the little sisters, right? Probably not the best analogy. But what I'm trying to teach them is they can come to me even in the worst. I failed, Dad. I made a mistake, Dad. I, I, I broke something. Lord, I totally, now that I have adult children, I, I've sinned against God. We have to show them a pattern of what it looks to receive the gracious love that our Holy Father carries for them. Our Father, forgive us our debts. And listen to this, friends, as we forgive those, our debtor, who, who have trespassed against us, as we also forgive our debtors. I have all these versions mixed up in my head. Forgiveness needs to be a lifestyle for Christians. If we are truly praying to our Father, that same forgiveness that God extends to us is the same forgiveness that our Heavenly Father expects us to extend to others. It's a powerful thing. And it's something that the Lord is asking us to live out on a frequent manner because communication between us and our Heavenly Father should be often, right? So we should be in a constant state of repentance where we can completely go to our Father and ask for forgiveness, but we should also be in a place to asking the Lord to teach us and show us how to forgive those who have sinned against us. Just think about this, friends, because this is our Father. The same Father that you're praying to for forgiveness is the same Father of the person that God is asking you to forgive. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is spiritual warfare. This is us asking God to give us that spiritual edge of protection to protect us from the schemes of the world, to protect us from the schemes of the enemy, to protect us from the temptations that come, not the trials. The trials are going to come. Those are going to shape your character and your faith. But we need to be offensive. Not offensive to people, but on the offense when it comes to this thing. Man, too many Christians, there's things happening to them all the time. It's just happening. When you're on the offense, I mean, you're, you're, you're a little more in control. But if you're on the defense, man, just reactive, reactive, reactive. Lord, do not lead me into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you're reading the King James, then you'll see the end of that will be, uh, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Our Father, access to a loving God who provides, who forgives freely, who has established love as the plumb line for this relationship that we have, and he was embodied by his son, Jesus. As I reminded you in, in the first part of this series, Jesus told his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
And when you ever have questions about your heavenly father's attributes and his character, I want you to go into scripture. You read those gospels and that's going to show you exactly who our father is. All loving, all giving, all forgiving, merciful, gracious, not without consequences, not without discipline, because he loves us. But he loves us. And I can take discipline and correction from someone who loves me, who wants the best for me. Do you view your father like that? I pray you do. Because, because it's going to shape how you view the world and how you walk this walk. If you don't mind standing with me this morning. I just want to pray something simple for us. If your view of God in this past season has been that of an angry father, I would just love for you to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you today and just really break that thinking off of you. This is why repentance is such a such a, an amazing part of, of how Jesus asks us to stay in communication with the Father. Because if I just tell him what's happening, then I don't have to worry about him not knowing, don't have to worry about him being angry. He knows and he still loves me. Such a key component to our relationship with him. But maybe you think he's angry just because of things that people have put on you. Maybe... Unfortunately, we, the church, have placed that on. Hopefully not this specific local church, but the church at large. I think God's angry with me. Ready to strike me down. I don't think I can go to God with this one. I would just love for the Lord to break that off of you today. I want you to know that you know that you know by His Spirit in this moment you are loved by God Jesus loves you our heavenly father loves you he's not angry with you you have complete access to him and nothing can hinder that access not even the gates of hell can hinder the access between you and your father Jesus' blood solidified that. Lord, I just pray you minister to those who have felt hindered in their approach to you. Lord, those who have felt like that connection between you and them has been broken. That connection between you and them has been broken by shame, broken by decisions, broken by whatever lie has been placed on them, Lord, that they have complete access to their Father. And you love them. You love them so much. The same demonstration of love when you gave Jesus over 2,000 plus years ago, that, that same demonstration, the depth of that demonstration has never changed. You love them just as deep today. You want to give to them. 
You want to saturate them and envelop them with your presence and with your love and with your provision. You want to be the satisfier of their soul. Lord, I pray it's these type of children that are operating in the world now. This is a representation of your church. A church filled with children who know who their loving father is. A church that can reveal to the world how good our father is. Of how loving our father is. of, Of how inviting our father is. So that this world too can know how much you love them. And experience the goodness of their father. Because you are our father. We love you, Lord. We love you. And we know that was only possible because you loved us first. And I bless every person in this place. May they leave with the deeper revelation of how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 How many of you know you're loved? How many of you feel loved? I hope you do. And if you don't, uh, I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to minister to you, not only throughout today, but in the season to come. Um, Come back. We want to love on you some more and show you what the love of a father looks like. So, um, hey, have a great week. Uh, Don't forget to... Oh, offering. I'm the worst pastor in the world. I don't take offerings. All right. Um, hey, we we give because he has given to us, right? This is an act of love. Uh, this is this is an act of worship. Um, so if you're giving a, um, I got to start reading the signs. Um, if you want to give digitally this morning, you can give um, on our website, restorationla.church, or you can, if you brought a physical gift today, uh, one of our ushers is standing by the back door and you can give there too. Um, yeah, bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week and we'll see you guys soon. Okay. <laughs>